Super Talk Mississippi media production. What if everyone was turning their head to look at you with a brand new Flowmaster exhaust system from Exhaust Pro in Macomb on Georgia Avenue? Cruise in style with Exhaust Pro of Macomb on Georgia Avenue. What's up on a Monday night? I am Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator. A little curveball today. Colin Brister is back in the chair. The band is back together. Uh, Borky is no longer with us. Uh, Apparently, it is frowned upon to run a uh, drug trafficking ring out of your daytime office, so we will not be hearing from him anymore uh, on this podcast. What's up? Not much. Not much. the, uh, the secret life of Michael Borky, right? Yeah, he'd probably actually be very upset if he heard that. So Borky is actually just visiting family uh, in South Carolina for a couple of days. So whatever you choose to believe, I guess we'll wait and see if he's back at the end of the week. Um, yeah, what's up, man? Not, uh, I was kind of checked out for some of the weekend, but we got some football to get to. We'll probably talk some baseball. Uh, I imagine that's probably piques both of our interests there as opposed to hoop. We'll get into some hoops. I did watch a good bulk of the hoops game Saturday. Uh, did you do anything cool over the weekend? No, I uh, went to the Super Bowl uh, shindig, I guess, yesterday. Um, but other than that, no, I did absolutely nothing um, of relevance or importance. I didn't even watch the basketball game on Saturday, I'll be completely honest. So uh, if we talk about that, you'll have to take most of the lead there because I have fully given up on the basketball team. Yeah, there's not really a ton to talk about there anyway, but I do have a couple thoughts on it because they're – I mean, I hate to say I'm finding bright spots, but there there are a guy or two that have played more consistent, whereas sure. the bench has just been awful. But anyway, so we get into that stuff. Yeah, I was in. Uh, my girlfriend lives in Fort Worth. Who those of you that listed this, I've probably mentioned that one too many times. I uh, I apologize for not doing the podcast today. So I woke up in Fort Worth, Texas today, drove six and a half hours back to Jackson to get in time for the radio show because driving to Oxford, it's almost nine, so I wouldn't have made it. And then got in the car after the show, and now I'm back in Oxford. Still haven't been to my house yet. Came straight to the studio. So apologies for the tardy podcast. I normally try to give people a warning about that. But uh, it basically was one of those things. I was watching the Super Bowl on Sunday night, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Borky's out of, t- Borky's out of town. And, and then I texted Borky, and I was like, I know you're out of town, but like I never asked if you could record. He was like, I, I can't. Like today, maybe Wednesday, so that's what I called you, and you were ready at the uh, ready to roll. So I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, good weekend. I uh, I just basically drank some beer. I went to a zoo. Uh, I didn't really do anything cool outside of that. I saw some pretty cool shit at the zoo. But yeah, was, you feel like a big zoo guy. You, well, you, you. that's one thing we like to do. My girlfriend very much loves zoos, and so every whatever city, like she's lived in New Orleans, I've lived in Cincinnati. Memphis, obviously, close by. Like, for whatever reason, we go find the zoo. Like, as I mentioned on the radio show a couple of times, like, when I was in Cincinnati, we went and we saw where they shot that gorilla. Like, we're, we're zoo connoisseurs at this point, I guess. The Fort Worth Zoo was pretty good. I uh, I enjoyed it. It's, uh, like, they had a pretty cool tiger. They had a, uh albino tiger, too. Um, I watched some monkeys dig through each other's anuses for about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that attract you? Uh, no, I, it did not. But it was one of those things. You know, how there's always kids at the zoo or whatever, and so like the monkeys, they're running around playing, and then they start doing that, and the moms don't really know whether to shield the kids' eyes or if they know what's going on. And then, of course, one of the kids is like, "Oh, gross!" And then it just becomes painfully awkward. So uh, had that going on, but it was a good weekend. We uh, 
made some food for the Super Bowl. I actually I cooked a, we cooked a steak in an air fryer and made wings. So we basically just pigged out. But it was just us two. So I was not at a Super Bowl party this year. Where should we start? I guess we should well, let's start with the Super Bowl. I guess it would be kind of un-American not to. Right, yeah, yeah, of Chiefs, course. Chiefs winning the game 31-20. to 20. It, uh, In my opinion, the score didn't really tell the story of the game at all. Uh, it, I found it fascinating. Uh, I, I thought the Niners were going to win because I do think in the past couple of Super Bowls, particularly in, I would say the past decade or so, when you have like the complete team with a good defense versus just a really good quarterback with average pieces around him, uh, the team kind of wins out. Like, I'm thinking that Seattle team that shut down Peyton Manning. Right. I'm thinking, uh, what else am I thinking there? There's a couple other examples that I'm just not getting, like, that are not coming to mind right now. Really, it was the uh, the other way. It was the Denver team the next year that shut down Cam Newton. Because remember, Peyton Manning was terrible that year. So I was feeling the Niners, and I would say, what, 45 minutes? I mean, really, 48 minutes of this game, it went exactly to that script, right? Like, Mahomes yep. was bad. And, and, but just, I, 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 when they, I, we're jumping around here, and I'll let you jump in right after I say this. Even as good as Mahomes is, when he threw the pick with 12 minutes left and it was 20 to 10, I was like, this is over. I know he's Patrick Mahomes, but this is what the Niners do. And I just couldn't have been more wrong. That was the most shocking part to me. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I thought when he threw the pick, the game was over. Um, it was a terrible throw, and, and I didn't really, like, I knew there was enough time for Mahomes to come back, but nothing signified that he was going to figure this out and be able to put it together and give him credit, he did. Um, Andy Reid is one heck of a football coach. Eric Bieniemy did call a great game. Uh, so, it, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about Kyle Shanahan, and it's frankly warranted. Um, he, he set the way two Super Bowls. Um, but at the same time, you have to give Patrick Mahomes credit. He made those plays. The third and 15 was a uh, – I actually watched something uh, Dan Olofsky did. Uh, it was a great scheme, but, it, I mean, even better throw. I mean, it wasn't heck of a throw to convert there. Um, so, yeah, look, it was a really good game. I think the better team wound up winning, which is what you like to see. Uh, so, you know, it was it, it was fun to watch. There's been some Super Bowls lately that weren't fun to watch, you know, like last year. Um, so uh, this, this one was entertaining, to say the least, especially for, you know, the score showing an 11-point game. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't quite, like, uh, it wasn't quite, like, epic, like, Pats Falcons or even like Eagles uh, Pats a couple years ago, but it was a good close game. It's just the like the morning, like the middle part of it, I should say, was kind of boring. Like you know, like it took a while for it to each get into the game. Like I was kind of expecting some more offensive fireworks out of the gate, and like the first half, it was really felt like two teams trying to feel each other out. Uh, if you, you you mentioned the Shanahan thing, let's get into that before we get into Mahomes because. Uh, as the internet likes to do, and in this day and age, ripping the bad is uh, seems to get more credit than the good. I I was shocked by this. I, I was shocked by a couple of things. The first half where it's ten to ten and they get the stop, and you're like, oh, yeah. like they could go double them up here. Like this this could be a really key moment in the game. And then they hold on to the timeout before the punt, so they let it run down to like fifty five seconds instead of a minute ten or whatever, what, or instead of a minute thirty. And I was yeah. I, at that time I was thinking, man, this guy's ballsy enough. He wants to save all three timeouts for the drive. Like he's he's not even necessarily worried about the clock, and then they just kind of balked at it. I, I didn't like. I, I feel like when your GM is in the in the in the TV shows, your general manager in the booth going timeout, timeout. You should probably call a timeout. <laughs> like I didn't. Know yeah, that, that one. That was shocking. It, it, the thing is, like in a regular 
in a regular season game, he calls a timeout there every single time. Um, it's been shown that you know that that's his thing. He calls a timeout, he gets it, he goes get him, gets him a field goal, and they still should have been in field goal range. I thought that was a horrible pass interference call. Um, and everybody says he pushed off. I think he just put his hand on him. I don't think he actually pushed off, but. Another story for another day. It's like um, a, it's like a, it's like a flag in its own right. When the official sees the extended arm, he's probably chucking it. Like that's like the trigger. Right. It seems like. Yeah, and, and I get that, but he didn't really push off. Like he just had the guy extended. Like, right. You know, um, but it was I thought a terrible job by Shanahan there because okay, you 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 the Chiefs called a timeout with thirty seconds left or whatever, and now you decide you want to go score. Like why didn't you try to go score before? For the Chiefs called the timeout. I didn't really get that. Um, so, you know, he cost his team, I think, at least three points there. Um, and, if, you know, if you have that three points at the end of the game, it's a lot of different stories. So, uh, just, you know, he, he, for whatever reason, cannot get it done in these Super Bowls. Yeah, it felt like they were playing not to lose instead of to win the game on that. Like, it, 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 it uh, that was the best example of it. And then, like, late in the game, I didn't really get it either. It's like you have the best running game in football. Like, Mostert's getting, like, six yards to carry. And they'd, like, run him once, and whether it worked or not, then they would throw Garoppolo twice, and, like, that ended up in two stops. I guess the first one went in a three and out. Like, I'm thinking stop, score, stop, score, whatever. Second one was a three and out. I I, I didn't get that because they were, like, to me, the Niners' running game is so prolific. You don't even have to be conservative. Like, running the ball with them is not necessarily always the conservative play. And I thought they oddly went away from that at the end of the game, and I didn't understand it. And then once they went three and out the second time and gave Mahomes the ball back down 20-17 to 17 or whatever, I was like, oh, I know how this is going. Yeah, the only thought when they gave the ball back to Mahomes was, uh, would they have enough time to go score? Um, yeah. Because Mahomes was about to go take the lead or at least tie it up. Um, it was either was, like that, or was Nick uh, was Bosa going to make some game changing strip sack or something? Right, like that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, and to I guess their credit, they did have time left to go score. They just didn't get it done. But even in that two minute drill, it felt like they could have done something. They had all three timeouts. You could have run the football, um, and they just kept dropping Jim, Jimmy T back to throw, and uh, he was he was not very good there in the fourth quarter. No, and I think that's probably part of what you're seeing there. Like, even though they, I, I just, I'm kind of talking out of the both sides of my mouth saying they didn't, uh, they went away from the run. But you, with the play calling as well, even the passes they threw were sort of conservative. And I think you could tell uh, you had a coach that didn't totally trust his quarterback in that situation. Like, Jimmy yeah. G's not bad. You can clearly win a Super Bowl with Jimmy G. Yeah. But the idea that you're going, and he's still an interesting case because it's only like his second year as a full time starter. And one of those, he was, you know, got cost to injury. So, like at this point, it just seems like, he, like the idea of him putting the team on your on his back and going to win the game, like on a game winning drive like that, just isn't going to happen. But then at the same time, if he puts just a little bit of air under the ball on that third and long heave, you're talking about a whole different thing. And you honestly, you probably the the peak outcome here would have been that pass hits, and then you give Mahomes a minute and a half one more time against that defense. And it's yeah. kind of like, how does that, like, how does that play out? But it didn't, you know. Chiefs won. Good for Andy Reid. Like the guy deserves a Super Bowl. He's too good of a coach not to have one. Uh, I imagine Shanahan. Like I don't know as a coach how you get over that. Like yeah, you you win a Super Bowl. That's the only way you get over that. It's just like, but is that is that going to be a thing in his big games in his career? Like forever? Like is like well, how, how do you overcome the 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 like the scarring of that? Well, it's not even big games though, right? It's like. I mean, I get 
the Super Bowl is a big game, but he's won big games in his career. It's literally the Super Bowl um, that, that he, you know, sets two away. And I think I saw one, one game he had a 95.3% chance to win and one he had a 99.8% chance to win, and he lost both, uh, which is almost statistically impossible. So, yeah, it's just not a good scene for Kyle right now. Well, yeah, it's like you didn't figure he would get burned with the whole, I'm not, like, don't, like, run, the, like, remember they went away from the run and had some kind of interesting play calling and it really cost him in that Pat Super Bowl. Like, like, how do you get fooled twice by that? Like, I, I, I like, I get Matt Breida fell out of favor towards the end of the year with some fumble stuff and, uh, and Tevin Coleman was not necessarily healthy, but, like, it doesn't really matter who you have. Just pound Mostert or pound, uh, um, whoever the hell I just said that I'm now I'm blanking on just whoever like, yeah it just it, it, I, I just I didn't get that because it really was like this is what this team does like this is what they're known for I I was of the attitude I was like I, I don't really care that the other team has Patrick Mahomes the the Niners down t- up 10 with the ball with 12 minutes left or whatever or hell even seven minutes or whatever it was at the next time they got it back like this is what they do they don't lose and yeah. Even as, as great as Mahomes is, and I guess we can get to that side of it now, that was still the most shocking part to me is, like, it was that. Like, I, I just I, – I didn't see the Niners losing that. And, and it just – that was shocking to me. And then on the other side, Mahomes was really – I mean, even by any standard, not even just the standard that we hold him to, was really bad for three quarters. Yes. He, yeah, he was bad for anybody. Yeah, I mean, he was bad with, like, a couple of pretty good Mahomes plays sprinkled in over the course of three quarters. But, like, first interception was, what's it, the first, which one went off Hill's hands and which was the one that he just threw straight at the defender's chest? The uh, second one was off Hill's hands. Yeah, okay, the, the first interception was awful. Oh, it's horrible. The second one was bad, too. Yeah, because if that's on the money, it's a completion. Right, and it's the first down, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, I guess if there's anybody that deserves a pass in terms of, like, having an off game, granted it is the Super Bowl, it's this guy because now it, none of it matters. And he, he, like, I mean, they were what? They were down 20 to 10 with, like, 6.15 left in the game and the final score is 31 to 20. Like, we've really never seen anything like it in this modern NFL. Yeah, I, We've never really seen a quarterback like this that can do these type of things on a regular basis. I mean, I mean, I... I Hell, I know everyone loved to dump on Bill O'Brien for that divisional round game, and deservedly so. But to me, that was more so like, holy shit, this Mahomes guy's absurd. <laughs> and, it, and he did it with the Titans, and it just, like, I, I never get as someone who roots for the Titans, the feeling of helplessness every time they had the ball, knowing that that was going to happen, was unlike anything. <laughs> I've, it really is. It's unlike anything I've ever experienced. Uh, you know, rooting for or against someone in a football game, and it's just like, like even da- like twenty to ten, even though they were stopping them. Once they got rolling, and once they scored that touchdown to make it to twenty seventeen, I kind of had zero doubts how the next couple of drives were going. At any point, did that t- during the Titans game, did you think they were going to win the football game? The when they got up, what they got up ten to nothing. Yeah, and seventeen to seven. Basically. Okay, so when it was seventeen to seven and the Chiefs scored or whatever, I thought if the Titans could go down and answer with one more drive, and this is actually how the game was won and lost before the half, I was like, yeah. okay, we got a shot at this bad boy. But when they went three and out, and then you had the awful tackling thing 
before that. Yeah, no. As soon as they went three and out, I was like, okay, this is over. And I, I, you know, the Chiefs punted like once after that. I mean, it was it was it was completely true. So like, you know, it, I don't know. It's just Mahomes is unbelievable, and like you're what twenty six, twenty seven. I'm twenty five. Yeah. Like at least we're now at the age like the beginning of Brady. We were old and remember it, but probably don't appreciate it. Like this is going to be the honey hole, like sweet spot. Where barring injury, like this is the guy we're going to appreciate for a long time. Like this is the kid when we're like forties and like we're talking to people half our ages. You're like, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> I think this dude's gonna win like six because he's got the perfect setup with Andy Reid. And it's interesting because he does have the perfect setup with Andy Reid. That's a good point. But also, he was blessed with a ton of weapons. Like, I mean, the Kelsey, the Tyreek Hill. I mean, you name it. Name it. The, yeah, all of those guys in the beginning, like in the, even Kareem Hunt before that too, that type of thing. But at the same time, like, I, does he really need him? Like Tyreek Hill is an incredible receiver, but you talk about throwing target. He's five foot nine. Like, to, like I, I would be interested if this guy's like if they ever have to start choosing who they pay, which they are, because Mahomes is about to get a ridiculous deal. Like, if if his weapons deteriorate around him, unless his offensive line is just letting him get killed, I don't think it's going to matter. No, I would. Yeah, the only thing is that offensive line holds up as long as you've got guys that can run fast. It feels like uh, they're going to be very good for a long time, which is not good for my boy Deshaun Watson because I don't know how they're going to stop them at any point. Yeah, see, that's the other thing. We had a guy on our radio show today. It's interesting you mentioned that John Harris. Of he's, he works for the Houston Texans in-house media wing, so like he's a Texans employee, right? And he was kind of talking about that in the sense that like, like he was like, maybe we can get a Deshaun. Uh, a Deshaun, um, what am I trying to say here? Mahomes thing going for the next little bit, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, but I mean, not to be an ass, that's probably going to take some sort of coaching change, is it not? Like Watson's going to have to have some better structure around him because it's not his fault what's going on right now. But like as it currently stands, he doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, and Bill O'Brien just got named the GM, so that was good, smart. Well, that is, he could fire himself as coach <laughs> and stay on as GM. So I'm sure that'll happen. Um, that was really. I've got a couple more thoughts that we'll get to, but we gotta take a break here real quick. Bro, mind you, podcast brought to you by LBs. Greg, sour note to the end uh, end of the year for Greg. Greg went with the Niners. He led you astray, um, but that's okay because hopefully you went to use his picks, and I promise you, he's made you plenty of money before that. Go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Baseball season's coming up. He's got baseball game packs, steaks, custom-cut sausages. I had a couple listeners last week go in and get a ribeye sausage, a Swayze sausage, and I can't remember if it was the Lane Kiffin or Keith Carter, but either the 8- or 6-ounce bacon wrap filet they got on the way to their hunting camp. They said it was absolutely uh, amazing. So Greg's got it going on there. Go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Uh, I didn't watch much of the postgame because I was pretty tired, and I had a... Uh, I had a long drive ahead of me today in an early morning, uh, but Andy Reid seemed to be in rare form. <laughs> it appeared that way, right? Yeah, happy for that guy. He could not be happy for Andy Reid. Yeah, you, you. It's really hard not to be, because I mean, as you as, as you point out, like it's just. I mean, that guy's coached way too long in the NFL, and really, Donovan McNabb pretty good, but like in other times, he's done it with some like average quarterbacks. Like, he won a lot of football games with Alex Smith. And I think that's your probably your barometer as to whether you're a good coach or not. Like, uh, Harbaugh won games with Alex Smith and Kaepernick. Like, 
NFL-wise, Harbaugh, pretty good coach. Like, if you can win a lot of football games with average quarterbacks, I think that's probably a good gauge of your coach. Because remember, Kansas City, even before Mahomes, was good. They were just known as playoff chokers. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, so, you know, Alex Smith couldn't get it done in the playoffs, whatever. Andy Reid, you know, was a bad game manager. So, got to put all those narratives to bed. Um, That's probably the irony here is that he outmanaged Kyle Shanahan when it turns to game management. Right, yeah. So uh, certainly certainly, uh, some narrative got destroyed there, but uh, I guess they all got thrown on Kyle Shanahan because I think the Niners aren't going anywhere, but, uh, man, that's going to be tough to live down. Yeah, and I I agree, but they they did pay Garoppolo that contract, and it's clear that they don't, at least at this point, completely trust him. It's like, I don't even know what that dynamic looks like, but I agree. I, I think they're going to be good for a long time coming. Um, like, I don't think they're going anywhere. Poor, you know, bless whoever plays in that division. I mean, you're talking about I – don't, I, don't, I think the – I mean, it's so hard to make the playoffs back-to-back years. I don't think the Rams are necessarily done. I think they're going to have to reinvent themselves a little bit. I mean, you're talking Rams, Russell Wilson, and then somehow you're trying to get Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury off the ground in that division. Like, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, the toughest division in football. You've got a college coach, and a, uh, Kyler Murray was really good this year. But, yeah, I mean, not a uh, not an ideal situation for the Cardinals. No, I mean, the, the quarterbacks in that division, if, if Murray is what you think he might be, and, like, as bad as Goff looked at times this year, I still think you can – I mean, you can. It, it's been proven you can get to a Super Bowl with him, and then you have Russell Wilson and Jimmy G, and it's like I, – I would not want to be playing. I'm glad the Titans are in the uh, AFC South where we have to worry about Minshew Mania and uh, – and Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, Deshaun actually is probably a, the biggest problem in the division. But I thought it was a pretty good Super Bowl. Like, it wasn't the most entertaining game on earth, but it was close pretty much the entire time. And it was good football, which is about all you can ask for. I uh, People had a lot of hot takes about the halftime show. I really had no problem with the halftime show. You know, we watch a game where people run around and hit each other in the head for four hours, and then we bitch about the halftime show. Yeah, you're mad about some butt shaking. Never mind, like, just the violence going on on the field. That's a good point. But it's like, yeah, it's like, come on. I, uh, uh yeah, I, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I don't know. So my girlfriend was sitting there explaining it to me. Obviously, I know who Shakira and right. Jennifer Lopez are, but I don't really know much about them and how they got famous and yada, 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 and all of that. And, like, or, like... Obviously, I like I could pick up on what the songs were, but uh, she loved it, so she thought it was awesome. I, I guess just people were mad at like the the. I mean, you could bet on whether there would be butt cleavage or not, or chest cleavage. Like that was a prop bet. I guess people were upset that that hit. <laughs> like, is that is that that was the general concern? Like, I know people didn't like the butt shaking. I get it if you have young kids, like whatever. But like, what at this point, what have you come to expect from the Super Bowl halftime show? Just tell your kids not to watch it. Yeah, just turn it off, like turns the law on order or something. I actually made my buddy uh, that, or my friend that where I was watching the Super Bowl scroll through like the other TV channels because I wanted to see what the hell else is on during the Super Bowl because I was curious, and God, there is nothing else on. I don't know what else other people do. Yeah, because, I mean, even like college hoops and the NBA try to get their oh, games out of the way beforehand so they don't have to fo- – yeah, so they're not completely I – mean, I mean, the NFL owns this day of the week that people go to church. Like, sure, as, people are sure as hell not competing with them on their <laughs> on their grand like grand event. Uh, but yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I didn't have a ton of thoughts on the Super Bowl halftime show. Neither one of those like bother me either way. No. But like, I mean, I'd probably watch it again. <laughs> so that's a, that's a, that's just uh, that's my thoughts on the matter. But yeah, I mean, it was good. 
Uh, I thought the commercials made a pretty decent comeback this year. I'm not a huge, like, commercial critiquer. I don't really care that much. But, like, I thought that there were some ones that made me laugh. Like, the uh, Jim from The Office, the Smart Park, the uh, Boston accent. I thought that was a funny one. I thought Dwight from The Office, Rain Wilson doing the uh, best thing since sliced bread. I uh, I missed the Google commercial. Uh, did you see this? Apparently it made everyone sad. Man, I'll be honest with you. I, I paid no attention to the commercial. So that's my problem, too. And I was talking, I was telling someone this last night. My brain is so trained to just tune out commercials when they come right. on. Because now on NFL Sundays, you don't have to watch commercials. You can do Red Zone, another game, whatever. Now it's a big game and they come on, you get up, you go there. But I always forget, you know, these commercials are actually supposed to be cool. And so it took me two and a half quarters to actually think, no, I need to watch these. <laughs> yeah, see, I never got there. I just kept ignoring them. But there were, I thought there were a couple good ones. Uh, the NFL, I'm surprised of all the things people like to get offended about. I'm surprised no one brought this up. And uh, MC pointed this out while we were there. Uh, I, I want to say it was third quarter, maybe beginning of fourth. I don't know. The NFL had a really compelling commercial about Anquan Bolden, whose brother, I believe, was yeah. murdered in a priest brutality thing. Really compelling, really awesome, well-done commercial. Then they had another one that was the, it was like a it was like a spoof on a CTE diagnosis. I don't know if you saw this, but it was like a doctor, and it was basically I don't want to butcher it and say it's something that's not true. But the issue was it was like a doctor, like telling a patient or somebody, and basically being like. I have news to break, and it was like football's on every Sunday or whatever. And it's like probably not the best thing to do to like spoof CTE. Like that that does seem- no. That one that one seems bad. The Antoine Bold one had uh had been on for like not a while, but I had seen it before yesterday. Yeah, uh, I had seen it too. I thought it, I thought that was really good, but then like you hit it yeah. on the opposite end of the spectrum with that one. I was like, yeah, probably. What are we doing? Yeah, probably not great there. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> 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 well, yeah, what is going on here? So. I don't know. Overall, good Super Bowl, entertaining Super Bowl. Miami's a cool venue. That stadium's awesome. Looked like one big party. Uh, elsewhere, we had Ole Miss did play a basketball game this weekend. They got drubbed at, uh, at LSU. They got what? They got down forty to twenty at half. Then opened yeah. the second half on a twelve nothing run. Crawled back in the game a little bit, and just I mean another off game shooting for Brian Tyree. I, mean, I think he was like two of eleven or something like that. Nine points. You had 28 from Devontae Shuler, who probably had his best week in an Ole Miss uniform, yeah. and it just didn't really matter. They just – I didn't think Ole Miss played that bad in the first half. They weren't great offensively, but then they also on the other end allowed LSU to somehow go 10 of 20, and basically all that was around the rim getting high-quality looks. I mean, I think LSU only shot like four threes in the first half. And then, like, like when you get down 20 on the road in the SEC, 12-0 run to start the half, be damned, you're not crawling back and winning the game. No, you're dead. Yeah, it's just not um, happening. You're sunk. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate that Brian Tyree is not allowed to be a human being because if he is human, Ole Miss has zero prayer to win a basketball game. Um, so he doesn't have a good game Saturday, and Ole Miss is down 20. Um, it, it sucks for him. But, yeah, I mean, there's, I don't have a ton to add. Look, it, 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 the problems are the problems. Blake Henson's not a good basketball player right now. He's giving you absolutely nothing. Um, he can't guard. He can't finish at the rim. He can't really dribble. He can't pass. He can't play defense. Like other than that, he's great. But I mean, KJ Buffin. I thought he played okay. Kadeem uh, Steve seems to be playing a little better. Like you said, Devontae Schuler had his best week uh, probably of his career. But you're getting zero from your bench, and I do mean zero. So I, I just look. This team's got a chance. To, it's got a chance to get really, really bad this year. 
Yeah, it does. And you mentioned the bench. I'm not the biggest plus minus guy because I don't think it's always right. the most reflective of everything. But I, I, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Who are the first two guys off the bench? Uh, Crowley and, and Bryce Williams, right? Would, would you like to know what Mr. Williams' plus minus was for this game? Minus 16. Minus 25. Jesus. <laughs> it's a 10 point loss. Do you, uh, would you like to know what Austin Crowley's plus minus was? Minus 22. No, no, it was 10. He was a little more reasonable. Uh, okay. A minus 25 for Bryce Williams. How is that possible? I did, did Bryce Williams score? Did he play well? He had one point. He was 0 of 3 from the field. He had four personal fouls. He had two assists and a turnover. He was a minus 25 in 24 minutes. So he was a ghost. I mean, I, I don't really know how she described that. Yeah, I guess you're right. But, like, I mean, I mean, a ghost probably would have fouled less. <laughs> like, I, I don't, like, yeah. I mean, that's you just can't cut it. But, really, that is the bottom line with this team. Bree and Tyree can't afford to be human. Though, in other facets, you, you'll take 11 from C with six rebounds every day of the week. You'll take, Chewer doesn't even really need to put 28. You'll take 15 to 20. That... But, like, when your bench is so bad, and to your point, Blake Henson has really been kind of the tragic story of this season because as inconsistent as his buddy K.J. Buffin has been, you've seen it from Buffin in flashes, but you really just haven't seen it all from Henson. And I feel bad for the guy because his season got off to a terrible start. I mean, that, that he had a very serious blood thing to where he was you know, probably, I don't say probably, this is an educated opinion. There was some... Uh, uncertainty as to whether he would play basketball anymore for a little while there. Didn't have any physical activities for a while. You know, if you're bad for the first month, I kind of get it up to that. But he hasn't improved since and has really just never gotten in the swing of things. And the idea that Henson and Buffin were not going to take steps forward and this team was going to be good, like I think we all just assumed based off last year they were going to take a step forward. And like no one was wrong for assuming that, but that just hasn't happened, and that's why you're here where you are right now. Yep, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, Kermit and them, let's just keep it real, Kermit and them expected this team to be a Sweet 16 team, uh, you know, at least get to the tournament. Um, and that was based on, you know, K.J. Buffett and Blake Henson being good basketball players, Devontae Shuler continuing to at least be what he was last year, uh, maybe even a little bit better if he was healthy. Um, and, you know, Brian being able to take on the second scorer's role. And the only thing that's consistently happened is Brian. I mean, the other three have been, you know, except for Schuler's week, have been pretty much bad the entire season, which is, you know, unfortunate. Um, you're getting, you know, Leo Gleish, Rodriguez is giving you nothing, obviously, because he's hurt. Um, Austin Crowley, not really producing. Sammy Hunter is bad. I mean, everything besides Brian uh, that could go wrong has gone wrong. Yeah, and they just don't have another until the last week, which is kind of just makes this whole argument even weirder. There's just not another impact scoring guard. Like, I know it, it, this is not possible, but, like, I almost wonder. I saw Jarkel Joyner play a couple times in high school, and I know it's an right. adjustment coming from Bakersfield. But when you have a dynamic guard that can score and create, and in Chewer's defense, he scored in bunches the last two games. But more consistently, I just wonder how much better off they'd be. And that can maybe go for Schuler and Joyner, too, when Brian's not playing well. Because Brian, as much as he scores, doesn't always elevate guys around him. Like I, I just wonder, they they miss an impact guard. They're a terrible rim-protecting team. Like they, They're bad in the post. They miss Luis Rodriguez. He wouldn't help much with the scoring issues. But they've got, this team has gotten burned by the other team's best player on numerous occasions. And that's one of those things where you can ask Rodriguez to go, I don't really give a shit what you do on offense. Please go make sure this guy doesn't get 25 and uh, grab some rebounds and we'll call it a cool day. 
That's what they did with Mark Davis Newby for three years. Right, and they don't have that. And like, I mean, it's it, it really is. You took people. It's it's cliche to say, but like, there's so many moving parts to this team and reasons why they're bad. It's really not one singular thing. And you know, this was just the latest example. But what's crazy is if Brian doesn't foul out against Auburn and they close that game out. They got a puncher shot. They didn't even really have to win this game because you got three home games coming up, and you thought they were playing better basketball. Yep. But like now, I mean, what was it? One and seven. Oh, it's over. Yeah, yeah one and you're toast. Like, but it, it's weird. They've blown double digit leads in what three of the seven, six, seven SEC games they played, or three of the eight, four of the eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that gives you some hope for next year. But you know, for this year, I don't even know. Four of the eight, right? Arkansas. Auburn, LSU, and A and M. A and M, yeah, it's a four of eight. Um, I don't even know what constitutes as a success for Ole Miss basketball the rest of this year. Like, wh- like, what is a success? Winning five games? Like, I, I, I can't put my finger on what you can say is a successful year at this point. Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, I mean, you, you don't want this to totally free fall. Like, you, I mean, if you can get, if you can get, like. You know, finish out and get a couple wins, and like, I don't know, maybe you get hot and avoid playing on Wednesday in the SEC tournament. I really don't know. I'm just kind of throwing stuff out there at this point. It, I, I don't know. I mean, it's there's not. Yeah, there's that, not, that might be your goal. See if you can get out of Wednesday of the SEC tournament, but that feels hard at this point. Yeah, it, one game. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, 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 it's definitely going to be a tough, maybe impossible task. But you're kind of that's kind of where you're at. You're just kind of searching for stuff. Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, as we said when we were, when you were still podcasting with us regularly, like, we talked about this team, I kind of kept pointing out, and this isn't exactly what I meant, I'm not like giving myself credit retroactively here, but there was going to be a team or two in this league this year, and even though the league didn't end up being as strong, that was just kind of going to get swallowed up by it and catch some shitty breaks and just not be, you know, because Ole Miss I don't think is a 1-7 SEC team, but they are by their record, and that, that seems to have been Ole Miss so far this year. They are, they should not be one and seven, but you are what our buddy Andy Kennedy says. Your num your numbers say you are. So uh, they're a one and seven SEC team, and you know uh, their season is going to end in Nashville uh, here in about a month, a little bit over a month. And it is what it is. You got to go after it next year and try to be a little bit better. Um, I do think next year is a, a really important year for the program. I mean, I don't want to get too far into the future, but. I don't think you can not produce next year and, and be able to continue this momentum that last year garnered you. Yeah, I mean, there's only two AK guys on this team, and one of them Gerald SEC guard, and the other one scored 54 points in the last two games. Yeah, is it fair? And you, I mean, you can tell me either way. I'm not even leaning. Is it fair to wonder about some of Kermit's evaluation ability? Right? I mean, you, you, I mean, you've got guys right now that cannot play in the league on this team. It's not unfair, but like, I, I just struggle to wonder. Because C's a JUCO kid, Williams is a JUCO kid, like, Crowley's a baby, Hunter's a baby, like, I, I mean, like, a, like a baby is an age, not, like, like toughness-wise. Because right. I, I, I still keep hearing it, that it's there with Sammy Hunter, the skill set's there, it's all mental, and he's just not playing with any confidence. And so, to your point, like, I, I just wonder how much he felt pressured, like, not pressured, but he wanted to reshape the roster quickly. And did it with some, uh, some some JUCO guys and like just kind of place holding guys, but I mean, it, it, it particularly if Crowley and Hunter don't develop, I, I think it's definitely fair to question it. I think it's fair to question it some now. 
I just I would like to see him get another class or two in, and then if like you know you get a couple more four year guys or the guys that he's not recruiting out of JUCO that aren't that don't develop in anything, then yeah, I think you've probably got an issue on your hands. But yeah. is some of it though him learning what kind of what kind of athlete works in this league and what doesn't? Because this is yeah. a far cry from Conference USA. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair too. You watch, you know, for 14 years or whatever he was at Middle Tennessee, the type of athlete you need to succeed in this league. Um, and it's a stark difference from from what you need to succeed in the SEC. So, yeah, I think you've got to figure out a way to balance that line some. But you know, so far, I mean, the results haven't been good. And you know, in no way am I saying that Dolphins should give a full Kermit Davis is the dumbest thing I've heard. Um, uh, and I have seen that suggested on the internet. But I mean, people like to complain. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I think he made some bad evaluations. I think some guys he has on this roster can't play. Um, and I don't I don't think Kermit's going to give guys too many chances at the end of this year to continue to be Ole Miss Rebels if, uh, if they don't start producing. I, uh, I certainly agree. And so I, that's about all the hoops uh, takes I got on that one. I'll take one more break and tell you to remind you to go to LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, we... Have Zach Barry coming on? I'm actually, now that I think about this, I just made an audible mid-podcast. I'm just going to throw that up by itself tomorrow. This is podcast is long and quality enough. So we'll have this up tonight, another one tomorrow. So two separate podcasts that I was going to put into one. So if you uh, get tired of listening or you get done listening to this one, go listen to that one. But uh, on both, we will be uh, plugging LBs, University Avenue across from Kroger. Really appreciate Greg sponsoring the show. Probably getting back on to talk some meat at some point, even though the uh, – the uh, LB's pick'em is over from a football standpoint. Maybe we'll test his college hoops knowledge. I don't know. But go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. They got it going on. Best place in Mississippi to get meat. Steaks, custom cuts. They've got game packs for Swayze. Uh, if you're going to go out there and throw it on uh, one of those really old grills out in left field, he's got that going on. Uh, but go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Tell him we sent you. We really appreciate it, Greg. I'm going to go get hooked up with some meat this week. I was texting him back and forth when I was in Fort Worth. So uh, go check it out. Uh, lastly, or not lastly, but I guess one of the other things we got to, uh, baseball is around the corner, which is probably a welcome sight for uh, a lot of Ole Miss folks, uh, given the way the basketball team has turned out. You did have some housekeeping news today. I have some position previews out later this week. Uh, kind of uh, was traveling a little bit longer than I thought I would. But uh, Doug Nikhazy was arrested for DUI uh, early Monday morning. I believe Chase Parham was the first one to report that. Uh, we have a news story up on our news wing site, News Mississippi, if you want to read that. I was driving back from uh, Texas, so I was uh, kind of found out when everyone else did. Uh, it appears he was booked around 2 o'clock in the morning and released uh, at 10 o'clock, or excuse me, 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I don't really have much to say here. I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to kill a 19, 20-year-old kid for making a mistake, but this is obviously... I mean, the obvious things that everyone likes to say here are true here. This is not good decision-making. Like, I mean, you don't drink and drive, period, but, man, Super Bowl Sunday, you got to know that, too, right? I mean, there's so many other options in this town to get around. It's just... It's unfortunate, and uh, you, I guess it's inter- it'll be interesting to see how this affects opening weekend because they do host the number one team in the country. Yeah, I don't think he misses any uh, time. I, I, I think he's the starter on Friday against Louisville, and um, my reasoning for that is I saw Andy Pagnazzi get one and start the next day. Or not start, but pitch the next day. So. I do remember that, and uh, I will, I will, what I will point out about that one is is that was uh, the circumstance. I'm, I'm trying to choose my word, Kelford, here. The circumstances around that one were 
interesting to say the least. Uh, where, oh, that's all fair. I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, whereas the uh, you know Pomerantz got one in 09 and got suspended for the first weekend, right? Yeah. And wasn't there one more guy that wasn't a pitcher? Uh, uh, not that I can recall. I'm sure there was. I don't uh, want to slander anyone, so I'm not going to be like, oh, was it this guy? And it just clearly wasn't. Uh, but yeah, the the Pagnozzi thing was a little bit different. Not that that makes it okay. Uh, I, all I could really say about that is the circumstances around it a little bit different. So I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't know whether he'll be suspended or not. I, I imagine they want to have their ace out there playing the number one team in the country. But you do have to some discipline. It will be. I will say it'll be interesting to see what uh what Mike does when it comes to that because I generally don't know because you've had a precedent where he has before and where he hasn't. But. Uh, I, I would. I will say it is surprising coming from a kid like Nikhazy, who. Uh, yeah. I mean, we all make dumb decisions. I'm not crushing the kid for it, but I mean, not that anyone of them would be prone to it. And I don't pretend to know these guys, but he would have been more of the more surprising ones if you had told me this. That's what I was going to say. If you had told me somebody was going to get a DUI on Super Bowl weekend, uh, Doug Nikhazy does not get into my top five. Uh, probably my top ten. Um, so yeah, I mean. Look. We're all, we're all 19 and 20 and they did stupid stuff, right? Um, and I have to say, you know, I don't want to get, you know, uh, too far into DUI laws, but uh, he's under 21, so his threshold's a little bit different than, you know, somebody that's over 21. Correct, so, as was Pagnazzi, by the way, just pointing that out. Is that, is that what you were hinting? A little bit. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to point that out. But, you know, look, uh, it is what it is. Uh, kids make dumb decisions and... Uh, you hope they learn from them and don't do them again. If it, if it happens again, I would constitute it as a problem. But right now, I just you know, it, it was a dumb thing to do. Absolutely, it's just a mistake. It's not smart. I mean, really, there's not a ton of excuses for it at this point in terms of like the amount of ride sharing options you have. But again, right, I, yeah, I, like not crushing the kid, judging the kid. Like I'm no better than him. I, I'm just saying, like it, it is. It, it, you got to kind of like it. It, it would have been. I'm not saying it's an easier sell back then, but, like, there's so many more options now. It's just kind of like, why would you do that? Yeah, but, yeah. Uber's one click away, right? Right. So, it is what it is. Not great for Ole Miss. It remains to be seen, but we will certainly keep you posted on that. Really, last thing I had, uh, I know um, we're not exactly recruiting gurus. It's not necessarily our footprint. But uh, Ole Miss has signing day on Wednesday. And unlike uh, Mississippi State, uh, Ole Miss has a ton more work to do. Yeah, yeah, State's kind of locked their class up. Um, you know, State had the weird deal, obviously, in between, you know, signing day. First signing day with Moorhead, second signing day with Leach. It's a little bit of a unprecedented territory. But, yeah, Ole Miss, you know, brought in some guys over the weekend and still have some work to do. And, you know, uh, it's getting interesting on that front, I guess. Uh, recruiting is interesting again at Ole Miss. It hasn't been for a while. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like, well, one – the just the holiday feel in general, like everyone, uh, the national signing day and all that, like it's kind of lost its luster with the early signing period. But uh, Ole Miss is definitely like interesting and kind of uh, kind of nationally relevant again. And it turns to recruiting, and I don't mean they're necessarily recruiting as top in the country now, but with the name like Lane Kiffin, I think people are kind of monitoring what they do closer. Um, we'll have again Zach Barry on. There'll be a podcast up right after this one, back to back, talking about that. So. Uh, it is recruiting season again. Who uh, who could uh, who could not be fired up about covering where seventeen, eighteen year old kids are going to college? So, As we're recording this, and this is so off topic, it's not funny. I am watching Baylor play basketball, and they are the best team in the country, and it is not even close. Jesus. Yeah, they've kind of emerged as like they kept fumbling that number one spot. 
Like he didn't really know who was good and who wasn't. Baylor is uh, Baylor is really really good. But what's interesting is like in unlike years past, there's not really much of a gap between them and like the teams behind them. Like they're they're legitimately you could make a case for what I'm gonna say 18 teams to win the national title. I mean Baylor, Gonzaga, Kansas. I'm watching Kansas some too. I mean Kansas plays defense now, which is weird. Um, so yeah, I mean college basketball is in a weird spot because, like you said, there's there's a lot of good teams. Uh, I think it's just you know, like you said, the number one team's rotated. I think it's clear uh, it's Baylor right now. Louisville, they might not lose in the league. Louisville's really good. Uh, Florida State's good when they want to be. You can't really ever count out Miles Powell and Seton Hall. I mean Michigan State. I mean, it, it, there's a, there's quite a few teams out there. It's uh, it's gonna be. I it, honestly, I, people love to complain about it being a boring college basketball season, and I don't necessarily disagree. But at the on the same token, the other end of the coin, it's gonna make March fascinating because it's just gonna be absolute, as John Rothstein likes to say, anarchy. <laughs> I don't believe in Michigan State. I will say that that team does not look like they're in sync to me, and I don't actually think Cassius Winston is. Good. As good as everybody else does. He's a frustrating player to watch. He possesses a lot of intangible things that I think are really good, but in terms right. of, he turns the ball over a bunch. Skill set wise, he's not necessarily a player that translates to the NBA. But then again, I mean, they get hot in late February and they got start tearing through teams. Like that's what's going to be interesting is like in terms of like filling out your bracket. Whoever's played well the last two weeks of February into their conference tournament is probably a pretty good bet because it's not like they're going to run into like a Duke of last year or something like that. Right. There's no dominant player, whereas Duke had like three of them last year. Duke's not even what what I think they probably should be. Last thing before we get out of here, because we do have the recruiting stuff, so I'll leave that to be kind of be on its own. But like uh, starting nine, opening day. Uh, Doug McKay's on the mound. Hayden Dunhurst behind the plate. Tim Oka first. Uh, Justin Bench is second. Anthony Scredio short. Tyler Keenan at third. Peyton Chatier in left field. Jaron Ely in center field. Right field. Ooh. Who? Who Oh, Leatherwood. Leatherwood in right field. Um, and D.H. Ben Van Cleef. Okay, I'll... Um... I will disagree in center field. I'll go Cade Sammons, and then on uh, DH, I'll say Kevin okay. Graham. Here's the thing with Cade Sammons. Um, he's a lefty, and Louisville is throwing the best left-handed pitcher in the country, so I think they get a right-handed bat in there for game one. All right, different version of the question. Regular lineup mid-March. Ooh, okay. Um, Does Bench I, go to center? If Chatier can't play, um... Wait, no, I have mentioned it second. I don't know, man. I don't think it's going to change a whole lot from, from the first year because I think, I think Ole Miss has this year. I don't think they're as deep as they have been. I think they have a core group of guys that they have to depend on, and if those guys can't get it done, then uh, they're just kind of SOL. Yeah, I mean, uh, what guys are you talking about here? I mean, I know what you're talking about. Let's just name it out loud. Elko? Like, let Elko, Leatherwood, Van Cleve, if they got if those guys don't produce, like Ole Miss is going to have to have them do something or or they're not going to have a good year. Uh, I would say whiskey guys, meat baker probably falls into that. Yeah, but he had such a bad fall that, you know, we'll have to wait to see. But like someone out of that group, can't you throw Kevin Graham in there too? Because you saw it last year. But oh, I forgot Graham. Graham is going to play somewhere. I don't know if he'll start opening day because it's the lefty. But they have yeah. been trying him in the outfield, uh, corner outfield. 
works. Yeah, I'm not necessarily saying I don't buy it, but I'm not so sure I buy it either. Um, I, not to knock on Kevin Graham, but first base was a bit of an adventure for him last year, to say the least. Yeah, he talked the ball to the, Will Etheridge, who was you know farther away from the bag than he was. He was, he did, uh, which is uh, uh, frowned upon when you have wide open things. But you know what the ironic thing about that game was that night? Is he had that and one other thing, but he also, one, that was one of those things where the ball just found him and was peppering him. But he yeah. had three or four really good plays before and after that. But, of course, all anyone's going to remember was, I mean, and rightfully so, the brain fart. But I think yeah. he's the option. I mean, I, I get that you got to give Elko time or whatever, but at a certain point, if he stinks, I mean, don't you? I mean, you can at least, you at least you have the option to throw Graham at first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Elko's had a good uh, preseason, but he's always had a good preseason, so it's got to translate this year. Uh, it just kind of feels like it'd probably be time to move on there. Rotation. I mean, I think uh, this is fairly obvious. Nikhazy, Hoagland, Diamond. Yeah, I'm going to go Diamond, obviously, because that's the safe pick. I think there's a chance that Wes Burton or Braden Forsythe have a good uh, have a good preseason and push for that third spot, though. So, I, you know, right now, yeah, I think I think Derek Diamond's your number three guy. I also think Drew McDaniel think, was no. Yeah, Drew McDaniel too. Um, I think the the first two were locked in stone, right? I think Derek Diamond is written in pencil. I think it could change, but I would bet on it not. I agree. Okay, here's a scenario, and I'm just throwing out random spitballing hey, stuff. Hey, real quick, Tyler Myers uh, left the inner squad this weekend with a forearm injury that could potentially be serious, which is problematic. That is a huge, huge news for Ole Miss because he is going to be a huge relief, uh, relief piece for them. Uh, hold that thought for two seconds. Here's the hypothetical I had. If Hoagland looks like Hoagland of last year, what the hell do you do? throw him out there on Sunday and pray. I mean, because I don't think there's that. I mean, there is. But, man, I don't know what else you do for a first-round pick. Like, it, it's a weird situation because you can't put a first-round pick on the bench or in the bullpen because he came to you because he was a – like, you know what I mean? That's bad. That's a bad-looking recruiting. If in year two you end your stint with a first-round pick, right? Yeah, no, I, I don't necessarily disagree – but at the same time, does he even like like how much value would he even provide out of the pen? Not much. He's a starter. Like you know how we always talk about James MacArthur. Um, everybody's like, "Well, put him in the pen." It's like, no, nah, he can. It, it's a similar case. Yeah. So no, but I believe in Hoagland. I think he's going to have a really good year. Um, but if he has a bad year, then yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation because I don't think you take him out of the rotation under any circumstance. Interesting bullpen, but I think the biggest weaknesses is they have two dudes on the team that throw left-handed, and one of them is Doug Nikhazy. Now, what does this mean for Trey LaFleur? Yeah, it probably means he's going to be at least be a left-handed specialist, right? Um, I mean, you only have – well, the only other one is the kid that uh, – uh, Kimbrell, right? Jackson Kimbrell? Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think he's necessarily in the mix. No, I mean, I don't I don't think you can turn down left-handed options right now. <laughs> um, so, I mean, they're at least going to get innings, but – I'm interested from the bullpen to see Taylor Broadway because I saw him last year throw the ball really, really hard. Um, and if they've developed any off-speed that they swear they have, um, he's got a chance to be good as their closer. Why the, why, what's the deal with the right-handed bullpen? I swear to God I've written that story every year since 2016. <laughs> well, last year, you know, they had uh, Caleb Hill and had somebody else, right? I can't remember who else they had last year. Um, Hill and... There's someone else. 
Maybe graduated. I don't know. It wasn't Roth. Roth threw his right hand. Uh, Roth was right-handed. I don't know. Caleb Hill. I guess there maybe wasn't anybody else. Roth swore there was. Um, that was a big loss, Caleb Hill, by the way. He'd be the number three guy in the rotation if he was still here. I'm trying to make sure. Uh... Oh, what is Greer Holston's role this year? Uh, he's, I mean, well, he's throwing 93 and uh, inner squads in January, so he's going to have a role. Um, I think he's going to go back to what his role was before he, whatever happened. Also, the other ones were Zach Phillips and Jordan Fowler. Zach Phillips and Jordan Fowler, or mainly just Zach Phillips, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hilston's an interesting case because I think there's an interesting story to be written about what exactly happened to him. And, what do you uh, think happened? Uh, I mean, I, if you want me to be completely honest, I think it was just, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm a little bit guessing here, but I'm also going off bits and pieces of information. Uh, I think he just got the yips, right? Yeah, I think I think he was injured, right? He got injured at the end of 2018, and he tried to do a lot of different things to correct an injury, and he just got into his head when he was trying to avoid injuries, throwing the baseball and that type of thing. Um and I think at some point over the summer, it just kind of clicked again for him. I actually was hearing at the end of last year that he was getting better and better and probably could have pitched for him towards the end of the year, but they wanted to hold off. Yeah, we kept hearing that towards the end of April, and it just never really materialized, which doesn't mean it's not doesn't mean it's untrue. But that was kind of interesting because there was like a week stretch there. Oh, and then he got into that random game in Trustmark Park. Yeah. Yeah, where he didn't look good, but actually got people out. It was the Governor's Cup. Yeah, it's exactly what yeah. it was. Because uh, I, because I remember I was actually in the radio booth and uh, next to Haydad, and then we had talked. To, I think we had talked about Holston that week on the radio. Or something. He's like, I thought you told me this kid had the yips, and I was like, he does. There you go. See what happens. <laughs> but yeah, it should be an interesting couple weeks. We'll have some provisional previews out tomorrow. Any other baseball takes you want to throw out there for now? No, no, I'm good right now. I do think. Uh, there's a, the, you know, Bob's going to do the, the competition at catcher thing, and I don't really think there's much of a competition. No, but that's interesting you say that because I don't think it is either. But LaPosser looked damn good when he hit an out last year. Like, like, like he would hit a ball to left field, and I'd be like, damn, and then it would be a can of corn out to the left. He had some well, really I'm not saying the kid can't hit. I just no, think it's going to be the DH. That's the, tr- that's the track I'm getting on is, is you're talking about these guys that have to produce. They do sneaky in terms of, like, production at the plate. I, like, you can't call it depth because they're all unproven, but there's a plethora of potential options. Yeah, no, that's certainly fair. Which uh, is, which is going to be interesting to monitor. Yeah, um, but you get into uh, Mapas or DHing is you want to DH your catcher. So it's a weird scenario, um, but I don't know. We'll see going forward. They've got they've got some guys that this year, you know, like last two years it felt like if people weren't producing, they could just pull people off the field and put somebody else in. I don't really think that's the case this year. I think they've got guys that have to produce, and if they don't produce, they got to figure out a way to produce because they're not coming out. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll have more coverage on that later this week. I'll do some positional preview stuff, uh, but got all kinds of stuff coming out. I appreciate it, dude. You got anything else? That's about all I had for today. No, it sounds about good. Well, I appreciate you pinch hitting. We may need you back on Wednesday. I'll have to talk to Borky and with his lawyers and see when his court date and all that is. But uh, <laughs> depending on when Borky gets back, I'll uh, holler at you. But I appreciate it. For everyone else listening right now, uh, remind you that I'm going to put Zach Barry's interview out Tuesday morning separately because just because I want to and I don't want it to get lost in the shuffle. 
and an hour and 45-minute podcast is not necessary. So we will have recruiting signing day special with Zach Barry up probably by the time you listen to this, unless you're listening to on Wednesday night. And if so, I appreciate you patiently refreshing Apple Podcasts over and over again until I put this shit up. So anyway, I hope everyone had a good weekend. I uh, appreciate Colin hopping by, and I will be back at it tomorrow with Zach Barry. But for now, y'all have a great evening. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.